Do you consider yourself resilient? And what does that mean to you? In this podcast, Resilient Entrepreneurs with Two for One, we chat with business owners about what resilience means to them, and they share their inspiring stories and life lessons. What we've learned running our own businesses, you're never alone, even when it feels like it. So tune in anytime to this podcast. We're always here for you, celebrating resilient entrepreneurs just like you. We're Lauren Vicky from Two for One, a marketing company for early stage business owners who want to launch, grow, and be resilient. Antonia and Lloyd Holder, we are so excited to have you on the Resilient Entrepreneurs podcast. We've worked with you uh, over a period of time, watching the development of from an idea to a beautiful product that is now on the shelves in the market. And we just can't wait to have this conversation about everything you went through to get here and where you hope and plan to go in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much, Vicki. It is such a pleasure to be here with you tonight. Thank you for um, allowing us to share your space here at Resilient Entrepreneurs. And yeah, we're excited to dig into it. Hi, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys. It's awesome to see you. Um, And we know that the process between ideation to development to deliver of an actual product is a long, tedious journey. Tell us a little bit first, for all the listeners out there, what your product is and where did it come from? Like, where did you first get the idea? Get us back to sort of the beginning of it. Okay, sure. Um, my name is Antonia Hoda, and I am the founder and creator of Kids Digital Wellness, which is a resource basically for parents and caregivers to help better understand the impact of technology on our kids' everyday lives. And we have been building that platform to help really give the support that parents and caregivers need considering how technology is literally impacting every part of our lives now. And, you know, it could be a lot to think about. It's not just posture. It's not just social, emotional wellness. It's not even just the length of time that you're on the device anymore. It's so much more behind it. And if you don't really um, understand the buckets that it could all fit in. It could be scary sometimes. It could be overwhelming to think about this new big thing that's just impacting our kids. And so we started there. And then after kind of our daughter going through the COVID period is when it really hit us watching her posture on the device or she had a little Kindle fire at the time. And it was at that point that it just became top of mind for us to figure out a way to help her with her posture. And I just think caring that much in those moments opened up the space for me to have the divine download of what this product is. And I'm going to say it in a second. And then Lloyd and I to be aligned with our vision of how we wanted to improve our kids, our daughter's lives while using her technology. 
And so that is how Digiri was born. And of course, it, we didn't have a name for, for it from the very beginning. Oh. We just knew that we needed to create something that would raise the device of the child to eye level so that it can support positive posture because our kids do this. This is what we do. We do this as adults. And we have this fingertip technology now, which we didn't have in abundance like this 15 years ago. I mean, the iPad was only brought to the market in 2010, right? It's still a pretty new phenomenon. And so the DigiRoo is one of the tools that we have created, which is the world's first height adjustable tablet case for kids. Brilliant. And sitting here in Australia, I'm dying to ask, how did you come up with that name? Did you right? Did you redo? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and roo kangaroo. Yeah, it was quite a rigorous pro- process. It was the third name that we actually chose. We, from the very beginning, we went through our trademark attorney to do the preliminary research to make sure that we started. We had the best possible chance of getting the name trademark before we put all the time and effort into it, putting out there in the in the public and making this association, which is essentially a brand, right? So we um, hired a trademark attorney and the first um, name, which we absolutely loved, that came back with too high risk that um, a number of people who had already trademarked similar names could object, right? And then the same thing happened again with the second name. So this is probably over a period of eight months to a year. Yeah, I would say that was a difficult stage for us because if you imagine you have this amazing idea in your mind and you have this beautiful vision and you've dreamt about this catchy name that you think you have downloaded or created yourself and then you find out that there is some product or some service out there that has a similar name that may have nothing to do with what your idea is. But ultimately, could having by choosing that name, you would have a level of overlap, and it, that might impact your success forever down the line. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of a challenge, you know. And then just having to think about something that was novel, um, and and I guess ultimately did, did not exist before, was going to be a, a, a take a whole another level of. Um, Creativity. creativity yeah. and invention. So we we learned through that process that the names that have the highest chance of getting trademark is fanciful names. Mm-hmm. So those names that you make up and you can make it up just downloading something out of the ether, mm-hmm. or you can take two words and combine them to make a new word. Yeah. And we wanted to play with digital. And then we also wanted a name that was child friendly that had a fun warm positive vibe to it and so we did we looked at kangaroo in fact i think we looked at 120 names yeah it, and oh, variations wow. yeah. so we literally yeah. wrote down yeah. all the names that came to mind and played with all different types um, of iterations of the kinds of words and we combined digi and kangaroo digital and kangaroo and we got digiroo and our trademark attorney um also through their um research determined that that was at a level which would be which, which would give us the best possible chance to get trademark yeah 
which it has been. So. And it has awesome. Congratulations. Not what quite. A process. Nope, not quite. Oh, oh no. no. Not trademark. The name is not trademark, but we have something else that's even more special than the name, uh, which is what Lloyd is alluding to right now. Shall we jump in? Okay. Reveal the so secrets. The trademark journey, that has been over a year. Yes. So it's been submitted for eight months. I think we're on the eighth month mark that has since it's been filed. Yeah. But it's been well over a year since we started that process. And we won't know. The last time we checked, it was finally assigned to someone um, at the United States Trademark Office. So we won't know for another couple months to a year about that. But something even more exciting, which is like fresh news, kind of just sharing it with the world. Actually, we haven't even really put it out there yet. No, we haven't. Ooh, I like so a scoop. Very <laughs> Yes. In the very beginning, after we really determined that this was an idea that did not exist, and in fact, we hired a patent attorney to do the research to confirm that it did it did not exist. And at that point, we chose to move forward with getting it patented. Yeah. And that process has been over two years now yeah you know that process does take a long a long time and it's often makes you feel like you're just out in the wilderness for for literally it's been two years right it's Since been over been, two years and we filed yeah filed, yeah and we received confirmation last week that we have a notice of allowance hey. so that that basically we are being granted the patent, but the actual legal paperwork is just what needs to be done now. But the hard part is done. It's gone through the interview process with the patent attorneys, and they are basically saying, well, you now own the rights. And what's extra special about this is we filed for a utility patent which protects the functionality of our product, of our idea, I should say, because you can file for a, a design patent. So if you think about um, the DigiRoo case, which is our product, uh, it has a nice, beautiful curve shape, a lovely handle that makes it easy for the kids to grab and go. And then it has the first of its kind pioneering height adjustment mechanism. Well, that in, in a, as a design kind of just looks like a fun backing, if you could imagine the stand. And with a, with a utility patent, that means that no one else can create a tablet case that has a height adjustment mechanism. So it really is giving us a level of security, especially from the big brand names who are already producing tablet cases for kids, right? right? This is sort of like a natural progression. If you think about how you can recreate a product that already exists, well, this is uh, an element of it that has not been explored before. And somebody with deep pockets and a lot of reach could very well do this. Yeah. But in this moment in time, I'm so grateful to be able to say that we own the right to the functionality of what is a height adjustable tablet case for kids. Yeah. Congratulations. That is massive. 
Amazing. You've put all these hours and nights and days into getting to this stage, and that's a massive win. That is. That is. We're very much we're grateful for that. Yeah. And I think about, you know, the next step. Yes. Yeah. Which is There's what? The next step, okay? There is always a next step. <laughs> yeah. And what's the vision? Let's talk world domination. What What is your actual vision for DigiRoo? Wow. Okay. Well, our, yeah. one of our greater goals is to be in Best Buy and Target and Walmart and the big box retailers out there. That would be massive for us. Our immediate vision right now is we're preparing for a full launch here in Bermuda with our retail partners, which is AF Smith. And it will be on the shelves. You can grab in and pick one up now. And well, not now, actually, but in a couple of weeks time when we do the full launch. And those who are overseas can order from our website. And basically with the supply chain challenges that are still that we got caught up with as well in this whole journey, yes. um, it's, yes. been, it's been it's, awful. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I have to say it as, as direct as that. It's, it's been awful just trying to get a product on the same planet from one part to the next. Yeah. It's been it's just an incredibly lengthy experience for us so far. But we won't complain because it's not as if it's time wasted. It's the time we, we can focus on other areas of the business and that's what we've done and what i'd like to add here is what was highlighted for us is as excited as we are to kind of bring everybody on board with the process and say send everybody to the website bye 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 now it would have been premature of us to launch in a way that made everyone, made our potential customers believe that it was ready, they could grab it, and when they get it, it will be automatically shipped to them. So that was something we had to kind of keep close to us until we can say definitively, like the, all the products are in the fulfillment center, they are in our retail space, and on this day, we are going to be available, uh, doors are open. So that was, you know, because you got caught up in the excitement of it. Like we love the yeah. product. We think it's amazing. And we have put it in the hands of a couple dozen people so far with what we were able to secure. And the feedback has been phenomenal. It has been more than I could have ever asked. The idea, so the, the product is doing what we had hoped, which is, to support positive posture for kids. Yeah. Why is that important? Why is the posture so important? Well, I think we get, as we get, the society has gotten caught up on the idea of like screen time, what mm -hmm. your children are watching. And yes, that's important, right? We want to make sure that they're not watching inappropriate content. We want to make sure that it's a healthy mix between fun and educational uh, content. But what has happened, and especially during COVID, is, well, we realize we're not really set up in the most ergonomically enhanced way for our kids, and even for us when we have to work at home, right? And so uh, the posture is something that is in years time. So we're not going to see it in the next year or two years, maybe in five years. It's still so new that research is, is being conducted as we speak to determine what the physical implications are of consistent posture. And so during the research, 
we found one chiropractor who said currently he's seeing 20 year olds that have the spinal health of 40 year olds. That means these handheld devices are basically exacerbating what is supposed to be a natural progression for us as, as humans and as adults, but it's causing and it's infringing upon our kids' development when it should not be. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's if you look at it, right, This we are the first generation of the handheld, right? And our children know, do not even know a world without a handheld device of any kind. And so where at least you and I can know to take a head up and look around and have navigated life in an erect kind of fashion, mm -hmm. these kids will really only know this mm -hmm. on their phones, on their iPads, on some kind of a device, doing this all day long, mm -hmm. putting and starting um, pressure on the back of mm -hmm. the neck, mm -hmm. which ultimately is going to change their, their, their posture, mm -hmm. ultimately will start to, to impact their spinal development, their overall possibly even growth, I don't know, and other factors to be determined. But ultimately, it's, it's what we see is that there is a need for us to figure out a way to address it. Right. And it's going to be more than just stacking books on a, a under the device and hoping that it's at, a, at, an, at an agreeable height. So, yeah. yeah. And, and I we, see kids who are six months old, eight months old, looking at phones yeah, whilst yeah. their parents are at a cafe. Everybody's very happy, but you're absolutely right. The child is head down, pressure on the neck at such a young age. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So we advocate for the use of technology, especially handheld devices, in line with the CDC, which is three years and older. Now, we fully respect with siblings, even in our own household, the younger siblings tend to get exposed to the technology earlier. It just it is what it is. We also are not advocating for you to do away with iPads and tablet devices. No, no mm -mm, we want them to stay. So what we need to do is help integrate them in a safe way where parents feel empowered with the tools and knowledge to help create a safe, more ergonomic environment for the kids. That's our goal. Yeah. You know, when you think about, I think about schooling and education. And how that has changed, right? From one back in the day where you had your your, your mead notebook and your paper and pencil and you had your, your composition book that you used to write in, um, where these kids, this generation is going to school with a device, mm -hmm. a tablet, yeah. a laptop device. There are whole academies or universities, what they call, that are that are dedicated, that are that are functional education centers specifically dedicated to using have it be an iPad or, or some sort of a tablet device. That's the way of the world. Mm -hmm. That's the direction of travel. Mm -hmm. So it's not a case, again, of, of us doing away with. It's figuring out a way to make the best use of. Mm -hmm. Now, if my child is going to have going to go to a school where the iPad is going to be used on a regular base, basis, mm -hmm. then it's I would feel a lot better if I'm saying, let's set them up to be as successful as they can, not only in schooling, but also with the devices that they're using to do their work. So, Yeah. And guys, you've put months or probably years into this from the very moment you thought of the idea, yes? Yeah. So a question that we like to ask um, guests on Resilient Entrepreneurs is whether you ever considered quitting, whether it ever felt like it was just too hard, and what got you past that point? Maybe you have different answers. <laughs> yeah, I think we may have different answers. Yeah. Too. Yes, that's it. I mean, for me, it was never a case of, so I wasn't the one given the dream, right? So in one sense, I wouldn't have the same level of attachment or belief 
as my wife called it, in, in, the, in the divine download initially, because it didn't come directly to me. So there are times that we ran into barriers, hurdles around, you know, the design phase. You know, there's so many little nuances, so many things, scenarios that I could never have even thought of or imagined that that come into play when you're just designing a, a, a product. Mm -hmm. We're literally talking about millimeters here. Mm -hmm. We're literally talking about millimeters and pan turns and fabric and all of these things. And I remember reaching a place where I was like, this is too much. What are we really doing here? We're having a conversation about lead. <laughs> and I'm like, what does that have to do with the ability to, to, to create a height adjustable tablet case? And I remember feeling a bit overwhelmed with it and thinking, for the effort, is this going to be worth our time? And then also I remember thinking that during the 121 <laughs> names that we reviewed as well. I said, is this worth the worth our time to to do? But I am I am, you know, extremely grateful that for my wife's persistence. Um again, she had the the, the absolute vision to say this is something and, and a burning passion that she wants to to see this through. And I think in those moments when one or the other one of one of us gets a bit tired, then that's where the other person can help to kick in and provide a level of support. Mm -hmm. So, yes. So, did you feel like quitting? I didn't hear you say that. Yes, there were times <laughs> where I did, where I felt like, okay, you know, this is costly, right? This is it's one thing to say, sketch a, a design on the back of a piece of a napkin, and a whole another thing to to hire a design design firm and deal with raising to whatever necessary funding is required mm -hmm. to to bring an amount of product to life mm -hmm. you know everything and this is one thing i would say to any entrepreneur that's listening and they should already know everything everything has a price everything comes at a cost mm -hmm. and it may sometimes it's it isn't financial but mm -hmm. and a lot of times it is it might just be you have to pay to get somebody to sound check sanity check that idea or the sanity check that that or proof right proofread that that uh, that article or whatever that's been what something that's been written so it's just so many pieces of it that require another another contribution another maybe a financial contribution and all of those little bits add up and sometimes you may not be in a position where where the money is is readily available and so you have to do almost like a cost benefit analysis okay do we have enough does this make sense do we pause do we quit do we pivot so that, that is something that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I have not felt like quitting. Not much. But I have acknowledged that it's been extremely difficult. There's been periods of extreme difficulty. And I feel like each time we've gotten over those periods, those hurdles, those challenges, I'm reignited, I'm, re I'm fueled up again. God has put someone in our space or place he has given us the break right with a period of I wouldn't call it rest but I would call it smooth for a short while where we could just continue to push on and grow like mm -hmm. take the next best step before we reached the next hurdle that we had to get over. And, and some of that during the concept development and design process, because that was super important to us from the beginning, we did hire a design firm, concept development. We went through a rigorous process. Mm -hmm. um, the engineers got involved from the very beginning. And I was cutting up cardboard and cutting up 3D printed models 
trying to see where cameras fit in, trying to see how little fingers could fit in the handle. And it was a point where there might have been this couple of millimeters that made a huge difference. It could have went really bad or it made space to keep going. And each time we've been able to keep going. And so the product that is available now is really... I'm not even sure how to describe it. I'm not saying it's perfect because we've already been thinking about, we call it the 1.0 version. We've already been thinking about 2.0 and how we could make that even better. But we are extremely thankful and happy with the product that's available in the market now. The DigiRoo is everything that we would have wanted for our kids had we gone looking for this this sort of case that would would help us on this journey with our kids i felt like i said a lot just now <laughs> i wanted to add one more thing to your question around feeling like giving up i think if i look at it in its entirety and, and not just in this particular um, this particular product but in any other entrepreneurial activity there are things that we enjoy doing and there are things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. And the difficult times come, in my view, the difficult times come when you have to do the things that you don't enjoy mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're a creative type and you like designing pretty things and amazing ideas that flow together and all the artsy type of things and you're in your sweet spot. And then there's the realist, <laughs> realism or the realistic piece that comes in that's around does that pretty thing you design meet the requirement? Did you do the other pieces that are required to get the business up the, up and running? I don't know, you set up, setting up a bank account, that can take a lot. Or, or uh, incorporating the, the company or all of those other backend pieces that may not be in your sweet spot. Those are the times when it becomes difficult or feels difficult to be that entrepreneur because it's, it's not fun. And you don't get that rush. You don't get that high of, yeah, I did something amazing today. Yeah. And that's that's the hardest part I, that I see. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Oh, yeah. I definitely relate very deeply to that. <laughs> the creative type, like I still have to do the accounts and I still have to send the emails and I still have to do the admin and all the pieces. Yeah, absolutely. That's very true. But that is very real for all entrepreneurs, especially when you're starting out, when you're at the early stages um, of business, which, you know, a lot of our people um, that we work with and, and talk to often are. And it's the hardest time, right? It's the hardest time and you guys have done it and you have given birth to your baby out in the world and ready for like the sibling to come along. That's amazing. (laughs) That's really exciting. I'm so happy for you guys. And I know, I know the process that you've been through. Is there any advice you would like to share with um, someone who's out there who's considering creating a product of their own that you wish someone had given you right when you were starting? Mm. Wow. If they're creating a product. Yeah. Lloyd's going to say, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's easy to launch a service. Like the reality is it's easy to launch a service, right? I know know you understand that, Lloyd. Like a service is a different ballgame than a product because a product, the time of development is I think what most people underestimate. And like you were saying, the costs, right? There is a lot of factors in and it's not just 
the materials and the making of the product in the factory. It's all the design phase, the lawyers, the legal yeah. stuff, the trademark, mm-hmm. the everything that you guys have been through. Were you prepared for that? Or do you feel like you just went in completely naive and you went for it? <laughs> well, I, yes, yes and no. So after I had the idea, we talked about it. We did the preliminary patent research where we, I, we were like, I will never forget when I read the email and it was like, congratulations, this is what they consider a novel idea, right? So at that point I was like, we about to be millionaires, <laughs> you know? <laughs> How was that? No, but that's, that's honestly what was the first thought in my mind. I think since I've become more of an entrepreneur and I have that entrepreneurial spirit, I'm constantly thinking about how I could improve things mm-hmm. or has this been done before? Oh, that's a great idea. Or, or out of the lack that I'm experiencing, can I capitalize on that? Do other people need that? If I'm looking for it, somebody else must be looking for it, right? And you get excited about that. And the idea that you can be successful, not just making money, but also making impact. And so once we experienced that very early on, I went and bought a book by Lori Grainer, who's one of the sharks on Shark Tank. I think I'm saying her name right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called Invent buy sell I probably don't have that right but I'll let you know what it is and and I read that from front to back in like less than a week and so in the book she gives some real tangible ways and tactics for you to start and what you need to do to to first of all make sure you have a good idea are people going to want to buy it right So then I started opening up the conversation a bit more with with other parents. Hey, what are you experiencing? Would you like this sort of device, this this case that supports device? Do you know what TACNAC is, right? And then from that point on, we kind of drilled down more into the idea of, okay, what is it going to take to to literally invent something out of your brain? Um, And that's when we hired so I think the advice I, I would give is once you recognize where you need the support, yeah. go find it. Go and find it. Yeah. You, you have to find it. You have to invest in, in let's call them the experts, right? Yeah. First of all, you do your research on them. I we The people who we found, whom we really love, by the way, I called up three people who put testimonies up on their website and I was like I'm thinking about working with them what was your experience like were they on budget right what were they like to question about? yeah what, what were they like to, to talk and speak with and have a relationship with yeah and then from that point on we made the decision and it's been a great working relationship I'm very thankful for that but we recognized very, very early on where we needed support and then we self-taught as much as possible yeah yeah I would say just one layer back before that is before even going out to that, the external resource, you need to have that conversation, a strong conversation with yourself mm-hmm. and within your specific circle yeah. around honest conversation around the idea, honest conversation around the viability of the idea. Meaning, is it just because I like it, does right. that mean the world needs it? Right. There are tons and tons, probably millions or hundreds of thousands of amazing ideas that never made it off the that are on the cutting room floor, not because it wasn't a great idea in and of itself, mm-hmm. but because it may not have had legs maybe internationally, or maybe it's something that didn't 
lend itself to mass production or exponential growth. You know? So there are not lots of other factors. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to have that open and honest conversation with yourself around, is this idea truly viable? And do I have the wherewithal, the finances, whatever it is, to bring it to light? Mm-hmm. You know, I shouldn't let finances be the only thing that stops you. But it should be a, a conversation where I'm clear on what I can contribute. Mm-hmm. My contribution may only be ideas, mm-hmm. but I need to be clear on that. Or my con- and if and if I'm not clear on that, you have to do the work to get clear first. That will help you to avoid wasted time and money, mm-hmm. and that will give you the, the the clarity that you need to say, well, this is the type of entity that I need to be working with. And the second part I'd, I'd say on that is be selective about who you work with. Not just accepting so-and-so makes widgets. Oh, let's just go to this person because they make widgets. Well, it's very important that that you have a, a good sense and a good feeling about the people that you're working with because it's work and it's not always going to be going to be rosy and you're going to have moments that could be tense mm-hmm. and moments that, gonna, that may be you know full of pressure and you want to have a feel you need to be able to walk away from the exchange feeling like this organization that i'm working with cares mm-hmm. and wants the best for mm-hmm. my product mm-hmm. or wants at least at least make to make sure that we're both mutually successful yeah so i would i can can say it is, it is important that you, you take the time to be selective around who you decide to work with that's always great advice too lloyd always great advice um so you'd mentioned that you'd raised some capital through investment, was it, or fundraising? Any advice? You don't have to give us too many of the particulars regarding your product if you're not comfortable with it. But um, you know, advice for people who are in that situation where perhaps they can't bootstrap the whole or the whole operation. Mm-hmm. Well, there there are several layers to raising capital. We are still what in what you will call the fa- friends and family raise where we have not secured venture capitalism or anything like that, venture funding. Um, So in some ways you can say we bootstrapped this, but we did have to borrow funds from the friends and family bucket. And um, that's when it really got real. That's not comfortable. You're taking other people's money. That's not comfortable. I don't think we talk about that enough. Like we were 1000% committed to seeing this through from the beginning when we decided to, but then the second we took money from someone, (laughs) it was like, I'm clutching my pearls, like, oh (laughs) Lord. And then I just think that also fueled me even more to make this work. And we're still very much in the very beginning stages, right? And we are we are on a path that will allow us to grow if we meet our targets. And at that point, we will absolutely need to raise capital, which we'll be looking to do at a proper seed stage. Sure. I know that there are a few mechanisms that people can use. I know through through the uh, Ignite program, they have a couple of options for to help assist entrepreneurs and budding entrepreneurs with with developing their ideas and if there's a, there are good ideas, there may be potentials for some angel investment. I would say it's not a straight line. There are, I see at least three, I say at least three buckets. One is your own personal finances, what you're doing, what you can contribute on a, on a monthly or whatever time from your savings. And then there's the friends and family raise, which is that level where, you know, the rubber hits the road because your auntie 
gave you the money because she likes you and your godma is there to support you and your, your cousin or your brother or your, or your uncle might give you some money but don't show up to 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 the family dinner too many times about you know a progress report yeah. <laughs> they're gonna look at you like what are you doing so it's it starts to become a lot more uh real around you know around where that money is coming from mm-hmm. and then that next phase from there is is where we would say seek true um, investment from external entities and that's when you start to realize things like you need to give up equity yeah um in the company and that's a conversation that everyone is not always willing to have mm-hmm. or understand sometimes as entrepreneurs we get this mindset that i i it's mine it's my baby mm-hmm. i created this amazing thing i'm going to earn it all and and i'm going to have this outright um, ownership and everyone's going to love me and everyone's just going to help me to get there and the reality is there's no there's no free lunch and and you know you've heard people talk about you know you can earn 10% of a lot or 100% of a little right and we've heard that on on the journey along the on the way it's like well as you develop there may be scenarios where you will need to give up uh, levels of, of ownership in, in that company, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't make you a failure. That doesn't make you having sold, you know, sold out or anything, selling out or any of those types of things. It's actually a, a very normal part of, of doing business. Yeah. And then as you grow, you can structure that in a way where you may still retain a certain level of ownership or to still become, still be the face of the organization. But if you take an, a, a, a product or to a place where it's now something that's say publicly traded, that ownership model is a bit different than I own everything, I have it all under control. So we've had to learn a bit about that along the journey. Thankfully, we haven't had to have any tough conversations around it as yet, but we do recognize that it is a part of the journey. And I would say the sooner any entrepreneur is, is willing to recognize that this is a significant portion of growth, mm-hmm. Um, the better place they will be to be successful in in, in truly growing that that product yeah. or that service. We've definitely heard a few no's, right? Yeah. And and you, you have to be for anyone who is is looking to raise capital, you want to start with just understanding the dynamics of what that means. The levels that Lloyd mentioned, you know, you have your angel investors, you have your venture capitalists, you have your friends and family. You have to be investor ready in terms of they want to see your documents, like they want to see your projections. They're going to want to know you as the founders and they are going to do business with you if they believe in you, if they like you and if your numbers make sense. And so uh, we had the benefit of going through the Ignite program and they always drilled in us, know your numbers, know your numbers, know your numbers. And I also would encourage anyone who's just starting out to consider joining incubator programs, accelerator programs like that, because that is really where I think we were able to have a strong foundation in, in beginning this journey. Another popular way to raise funds right now is crowdfunding, mm-hmm. which depending on which organization you go with, uh, it could be kind of like a well-oiled machine. They have a process, they have a system, you kind of just p- plug and play. We looked into that, but ultimately for us, we chose not to go that route because we wanted to protect our IP. We wanted to protect our design. And when you crowdfund, you are 1000% public out there because you have to talk about it to everyone who would listen so that they can buy it in advance. And that's how you raise the capital. But also doing it that way means you're selling your product to use the money for operations, right? 
which means you're not benefiting the, the revenue via profit. You're just putting it right back into the business. And that is a business model that you might need to take up in the beginning, but we chose, we chose not to do that. Um, and so we're, we're in a space now where like, we're partnering with our retail partner. We're ready for our launch party. So if anybody goes to who's in Bermuda, if you go to afsmith.com and um, buy, pre-order your product, you will be invited to our exclusive pickup and launch party. And that date is to be announced, but it's going to be next month where you'll come mingle, you just enjoy the atmosphere. We'll have a DJ. We're going to have some nibbles. We're celebrating, right? This is the the launch, the um, brick and mortar launch. I mean, how many new products, new businesses, product-based businesses get into retail before it's like physically out there? How many new products are born and developed Locally, in, in Bermuda. In Bermuda, yeah. I was going to ask that, that, and and not, I know Antonio sometimes gets a little bit shy about, about speaking about it, but it's something to me. I just think it is we shouldn't we shouldn't hide that. I mean, this is an amazing thing. What has happened yeah. is not Huge something accomplishment anywhere and everywhere. Mm-hmm. There are there are literally hundreds of thousands and millions of people who live in a given state or city and would never have or being around that kind of that level of entrepreneurship, that level of of invention so for something that like this to come through in this tiny island and not just be an idea but now be a physical product that is in retail stores and accessible internationally is a huge 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 deal i agree it absolutely is it's very unusual in fact it'd be interesting to know any statistics but it's very unusual i think for a product to be created I, from idea to actuality in Bermuda. I mean, how often do you hear it? You might hear of Bermudians who are now living abroad and doing it. You know, occasionally you hear about that, but that's because they're in an environment where it's, if you're in a Silicon Valley, you're going to come up with some great things because you've got the support, you've got the environment, the climate's right for you. And I think you've, you've done so well in being able to get this far in an environment that is is not as it's not dis, it doesn't not support you, but it isn't a Silicon Valley. You know, it's yeah. not full of people who are hungry for this kind of activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we've been very blessed, um, and I just want to pause here to give honor to God because ultimately He did give us the divine download, and we are running with it. Um, and we've been fortunate to have let's call them advisors who have been there along the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, th- having a relationship is a two way street. They, they just didn't like pour into us. We had to go to them hungry enough to say, here's my scenario. This is what I propose to do. How do you feel about that? What would you do? Is there somebody that you can connect me with who might have experienced this before or has a way out? Do you know the buyer in Walmart? You know what I mean? Just like all the big questions, put them out there, you never know. And so we are incredibly grateful for where we are. And I think the best is yet to come. We are not giving up. We're not. Not at all. Not. No. I, and I'm just going to ask. So when is your Shark Tank appearance? <laughs> Do you have a date yet to let well, us know? How, I have looked into it. Yes, I have. Oh, see, that's uh, what I want to hear. Yes. Well, you have, have to, to be, be American. You have to be a U.S. citizen. Yeah. 
to to participate or have a U.S. partner. Which we have need though. No. Yeah, well, no, you never know. You never know. There's Dragons Den in the U.K. You know, it's the same Dragon's same time. Yeah. 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 yeah, that'd be cool. That might be a better option. Yeah, I've heard of that. So Antonia and Lloyd, I mean, you have had the ups and downs that you've shared with us. It's been really much harder than you ever thought. There's no question in my mind that you have exhibited great resilience through this whole process. What does resilience look like to you? What does that mean for you? I'll go first. In its simplest form, I I believe it's despite what might be setting you back, you're still taking the next best step because you have a plan, you have goals that you're working towards. But sometimes we can feel very discouraged when we don't reach our targets and we've experienced that. But the key is, is not only not to give up, but is to take the next best step, which is the action, right? So you, you, you don't ever want to stop altogether. I think you can pause and pivot, but don't ever stop. Yeah. Yeah, I would say to me, this unwavering belief in your, your service, your product, your vision that you're trying to bring to life. And, and I think the word unwavering is, is important because there will be ups and downs. There will be the moments you're, you're really into. There will be times you have all of the energy in the world to pour in. And there are going to be days like today where you're just tired. And we, we have to be okay with each of those moments. Yeah. I'm tired today. You can acknowledge that you're tired today. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to stop. Like Antonio says, I'm going to take the next back step. I'm going to continue to to believe in what, what's the end goal? What's the goal that I'm trying to accomplish? And if you can have that that unwavering belief and faith in what you're trying to do, then you have that resiliency to 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 be able to see it through and to or bring your your product to life or your service into into existence. So. Yes, and I just want to point out this is our beautiful packaging and our product ready to go. But I can take a whole nother episode to share with you what we had to overcome just to get this packaging. Oh my goodness. Right? Literally the shape, the material, the way the words are laid out, how it fits this clasp in here so that the product doesn't come out. Language. Language, yes. And almost not getting it on time because of shipping challenges. So I think the fact that it's here is evidence of resiliency. It's, it's evidence of taking the next best, best step to reach your goals. I agree 100%. So fire digi-roo. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. I love them. They look so pretty, so appealing to the kids and parents alike. So congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Well, I know you guys, there's going to be something great in the future to announce. And we're super excited for you and your launch officially of DigiRoo. And we just can't wait to keep following you on this journey. And we are so grateful you came and spoke so honestly about what you've gone through. And I'm sure that will help others. And I think you guys are the trailblazers paving the way for others that will come along and want to create something amazing too and go through this. And I'm sure they'll be coming to you and asking for your advice and mentorship. So be ready because it really is quite a unique thing that you guys have done and you should be so proud. I know you are so proud. And 
and we're just thrilled for you. So thanks so much for joining us today on Resilient Entrepreneurs. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. Talk soon. So thanks for joining us on Resilient Entrepreneurs. We're Laura and Vicky from Two for One. We love supporting entrepreneurs, especially with mindset, marketing, and motivation, which is why we've built an incredible community of business founders who meet weekly in the Level Up League. If you'd like to know more about it, look us up at 241branding.com.